General Nerdery. Welcome to General Nerdery, a podcast about liking things. I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. And, uh... You were completely right, that's the most boring intro we've had yet. Yep, and it's because I've been thinking about this since I watched last night, and I do not have an interesting intro to a vampire mockumentary. Yeah, I... I don't, I don't have anything either, really. Uh, I was like, I could just pretend to be Taika Waititi's character, but it, it wouldn't work. I, I, anyways. Um, <laughs> Where are we, are we? Oh, introing the show. That's mostly right. being boring. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we're super prepped for today, guys. This is a good start for all of us. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's right. We're here to talk about what we do in the shadows uh, from Taika Waititi. Zach, your first time with the movie. Yeah, like how we had you watch Letterkenny last time, having never seen it. This time it was my turn. Went with What We Do in the Shadows, which is, God, such a good call on our part. Um, specifically, we'll be talking about the movie, although we did both watch the first episode of the TV show just to... Compare. Yeah, maybe some contrasting, you know, see how it goes. Yeah, maybe a little bit of both. A little bit of one C, a little bit of the other C. <laughs> Uh, in the meantime, though, what have uh, what media have you been ingesting this week? Okay, uh, I already let you know a little bit, but I suppose I can share with our lovely, lovely listeners. Share uh, with the whole class, please. Uh, after you recommended uh, also reading Dark Victory, after finishing Long Halloween, I decided to do just that. And I really liked it, so read that. Um, let's see. I also read Batman White Knight this week from Sean Murphy, and I oh, yeah, really you're telling me about this. wrote down the artist. I don't have it in front of me. Or I know Murphy uh, did some of the that... art, but... I was going to say, I thought it was the same art, but hold on. Thanks to the magic of editing. But there's all sorts of names on those covers, and I want to make sure not to miss them. Uh, written and art by Sean Murphy, letters by Todd Klein, and colorist Matt Hollingsworth. Yep, that's right. Uh, that was interesting. I've really liked it, but it's, it's a lot. <laughs> uh, apparently it's led to what they've dubbed the Murphy verse. Just let's give him free reign to make his own DC universe side story, Elseworlds world. Um, yeah, and that's pretty apparent pretty early on in that storyline. I guess uh, just a quick overview. Anyone who's like, Batman, White Knight, what's that? Uh, Joker gets turned sane and decides to show Gotham kind of just how crappy of a system it has. And Batman's kind of uh, an example of all the worst parts of that. Yeah, it's one of those comics that decided to lean into, let's point out how terrible Batman would really be in real life. Um <laughs> Uh, and then that parts of that come back around by the end of the story, because Batman isn't all bad. And there's he's smart. There's things that you might not realize on the surface, but he's thought of that sort of thing. But I I, I really liked it. I It's just uh, it very much is its own alternate universe. And it takes a little bit to readjust to living in that for for my mind, mind space. I've not really read much anything to do with Sean Gordon Murphy, but he gets really, really good reviews on just about everything that he does. So it's been on my, I'll probably get to it someday list 
I don't want to go too deep into it. I told you some of the things about it off air when we ran into each other earlier in the week. Um, mm-hmm. I I will have to talk about it more at some point, but it, that could turn into <laughs> its own podcast. So I'm sure. <laughs> Uh, and then the only other thing was with knowing that we were going to be watching uh, this movie this week, I decided to get to another one of Taika's that I'd been meaning to for a while. So I watched Hunt for the Wilder People. Uh, you know, that one was recommended to me just today. It is delightful. It's it's a <laughs> so lot of fun. Far, everything I've seen of Taika's is delightful. Uh, Sam Neill and oh, what's the uh, Julian Dennison who was the the Fire Fist kid, I can't remember his name, in Deadpool 2. Yeah. And it's it's wonderful, and it's so just fun and heartwarming, and they're on the run from the government for like six months in the bush of New Zealand, and it's great. Very heartwarming. Just running <laughs> running from murder charges, the, just the heartwarmingest. Let's but see. But it's, you know, it's a, it's a kid... Uh, who's had a rough life having to get through to a, a gruff old Bushman played by Sam Neill. Hmm. So let's see. What have funny. I, what have I been ingesting? Um, I don't have anything much new just today. I read Star Trek, the Q gambit from IDW, hmm. which it's a comic book that promised to cross over the original series, the next generation cast, but, from like their movies era Voyager and Deep Space Nine and they did it and I was worried when they announced this that it was going to be too uh, full of shit for its own good like a four crew crossover and a like five issue comic book is a lot oof yeah and it turned out to be a lot (laughs) um I was absolutely right in my concerns. Like I, I finished it shortly before we started recording. I had fun. It was by uh, Scott Tipton and David Messina. They've been doing Star Trek comics for IDW for several years now. This is the worst of theirs that I've read, which is disappointing because they're not like top of the line comic creators. But usually when I'm like, oh, these two are creating Star Trek comics, I know it'll be good. Mm-hmm. And this was only OK. Um there were a few continuity errors in it that bugged me, and I try not to be that nerd. I desperately try not to be. Well, actually, in this by this point, they wouldn't have known this. Or, but I'm reading a comic book that is advertising being a crossover between the four biggest Star Trek series. That shit is designed for those kinds of nerds. Right. So, like, I was holding it to a slightly higher standard, and unfortunately, it was one of those that while I was reading it, I was like... Fuck, I could have fixed all of these problems by, like, very minuscule changes. Yeah, that's rough. Um, So I can't give it, like, a full-throated endorsement, but it's not... I, I am being more nitpicky than it deserves at the same time. Okay. Uh, it was fine. I, I don't know. I don't regret reading it. I would not recommend it for you, for example. <laughs> but... You know, for if you're a big ass Star Trek fan, you'll you'll enjoy this. Nice. It needed to be about 15 issues. There were so many characters and almost none of them got any personal time. Yeah. Five issues sounds like a joke. It, it, five or six issues. And it was the whole crew of Deep Space Nine 
Next Generation, Voyager, and the original series. Jesus. And then they're like, oh, we'll we'll mix up the characters so it's not just like each crew competing against each other, but like Kirk and Worf and so-and-so-and-so-and-so-and-so all working together on this crew. I'm like, well, that's a great idea. But there again, there were four different crews, so there was no time for any of them to... The idea was great. The execution was not. Let's put it that way. Gotcha. Gotcha. Q Gambit indeed. Yeah. Q's Gambit was not very good here. Uh, cool. Well, not cool. Yeah. Well, kind of cool. It was fine. <laughs> it, was, it was interesting. I don't regret reading it, as I said. Oh, and I read some... I'm apparently on an IDW kick. Uh, I read some Beast Wars and some other Transformers comics from them. I really love Beast Wars. I really am ambiguous about most Transformers. Like, I want to like it every once in a while. I'm like, this is fucking awesome. But for the most part, it is not my franchise. Mm -hmm. Although I went on there, I went on the Transformers Wikipedia page and those people are fucking insane. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. It is. It is hardcore. There is that that fandom community might be more intense than like the star Wars community, except the difference is they're self-aware being like, we're this obsessed over giant toy commercials. <laughs> As do you know if there's a name for the transformers fandom? Not that I'm aware of, but I bet the word bot is involved somehow. Like I would put money down on that guess. And that it's not go bots. No, apparently they have a very complicated relationship with the GoBots, from what I can see. Yeah, yeah, I learned some <laughs> about that. Um, the the episode of tra- on Transformers on the the toys. What what is the the Netflix the toys the that toys made that us? made us or something like that? Yeah, yeah, it was uh, complicated. <laughs> it comes up in Clerks too, as well. If we really want to tie it back to our James Silent Bob episode, that's right. GoBots are like the Kmart Transformers. <laughs> and I should know. I worked at Kmart. <laughs> oh, God, that sounds like a horror show. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, is uh, was that all for your ingesting? You got anything yeah, more that, for Yeah, that's us, all or? I got. As I said, I don't really have that much new this week. Cool. I'm hoping to dive into more, but it's kind of in a waiting period. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, then, if you don't have anything new... I might have some news. Oh, that was a terrible line, and I'm so proud of you for coming <laughs> up with it. Uh, so first is mostly just uh, kind of a public service announcement. Uh, we've both in the past on the show revealed that neither of us play the game, but there's a huge fan base for The Last of Us, and The Last of Us 2 had has been delayed a number of times. The fans are still waiting on it. And an almost final build leaked on the internet this week. So now there's a shit ton of spoilers out there. Oh, well, if that's the thing you care about, then be careful. Uh, From what I understand, Last of Us is a very story-based game, so that is not one that I really want to see leaked early. That's disappointing. Yeah, and there's not only is it leaked early, but there's still not even like a final release date for when it's actually going to even be out. So rude, guys, rude. Yeah, if that's your fan base, just like I said, PSA, 
watch out. This one I just wanted to bring up mostly because it is directly opposite some of the stuff we were talking about just last week. Marvel, for the fifth week in a row, will still not be publishing any comics, uh, physical or digital. They just furloughed a bunch of editors, too, I want to say. Unlike DC, who are still looking at doing their own thing, apparently. That should be starting, what, tomorrow? Something like that? I think so. Uh, and I've still heard, I've heard really mixed reviews from people on it, of some people being like, yeah, fuck Diamond, and other people being like, oh, yes, fuck Diamond, but this is terribly planned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I tried to do some more reading on it this week uh, myself, and was getting uh, a little bit of both as well. Some really well thought out reasons why it's not a good thing, even though it does hurt Diamond. I don't know. I'm not in the business myself. I'm glad I don't have to worry about it on that close of a level. So it it's kind of a big dick energy move, but no one knows if there's like the big dick planning behind the big dick energy. <laughs> right. Um, which is what's going to be required on it. The, the the most recent article I read from it was from a guy named Michael Davis. He's one of the creators of Milestone. He was one of the creators of Static Shock. And he mm. was talking about. Uh, and he had a really bad history with DC for a long time and just recently kind of mended fences with them. And he's like, this looks like a really dumb move, but no one involved is dumb. So I don't know what to think. <laughs> and he's like, Jim Lee is not stupid. So there's no reason for me to think this is a stupid move, but it looks like one. Yeah, and that's that's about all I got. Like I read Michael Davis's blog. I don't always agree with it, but. He knows the he knows the industry. He's smart enough to. Yeah, I'm not sure how much more we can really say about it, but I wanted to bring it up after talking about how much how much last week of what DC is doing that Marvel's just sitting back. Oh, I'm absolutely watching like a hawk. Uh, Disney's been pretty. Pretty like, let's ride this out. This is going to take a while. I mean, they shut down the the parks. They rescheduled all their movies. I am not surprised that they're like Disney, not Disney, Marvel. Fucking wait. Just mm-hmm. chill. Uh, well, uh, I, oh, what do you got? I was going to say, I, I don't know what WB's response is. I would not be surprised if they were a little more twitchy about all of it. That mm-hmm. just strikes me how WB tends to roll. So speaking of Disney... Uh, although a little bit more on the Star Wars side. Uh, we haven't talked about much about this other show that they have coming up, but they are doing a Cassian Andor show. Oh, yeah. I, I haven't seen anything about it other than they're doing it, so there's not been much to report on. Uh, well, we have a little bit of casting news this week. Uh, the big one is that Genevieve O'Reilly is going to be back as Mon Mothma. She's been doing that since episode three now. Like, it's, you know, not consistent work for her, but good for her. She did a good job. Yeah. Uh, And then Denise Goff has also been cast in an undisclosed role. Uh, Denise Goff was the voice actress who did the voice for Yennefer in Witcher 3 The Wild Hunt. I think she's also done quite a few other things, but. I do not know this lady, but good for her. I'm, I'm sure. I just looked up Denise Goff and it told me about a murder lady. So I think I'm looking at a different Denise Goff. Oh, yeah, this is Goff like a uh, cough. Oh. Oh, her. Okay. I recognize her face. I actually That's didn't look up it. her face, so. 
I I mean, I just Googled her. It's not like I'm like, show me Denise Goff's face. She's had a career. Better career than I've had. She won some awards. Good for her. This should be a good public awareness bump for her. I'm, I'm actually really looking forward to the casting Andor show because I really liked Rogue One. Yeah, Rogue One was so good. Rogue One was sweet. Also over in Star Wars, Delray Books is getting novelist Sarah Kuhn to write a Dr. Aphra audiobook original. Oh, cool. I mean, we obviously are big Dr. Aphra fans. We did a whole episode on her, so I am in. Yeah, that... That should be a lot of fun. That should be a lot of fun. Uh, let's see. Also with Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker will be dropping on Disney Plus on May the 4th. Uh, just in case anybody has Disney Plus that's listening that hasn't watched the last of the uh, Skywalker saga yet. Well, I've been wanting to rewatch it because everyone either really liked it or tells me how bad it is. And it'd be interesting to watch it without the like sheer unbridled emotion of holy shit, Carrie Fisher, Fisher that I had during that entire goddamn movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm excited to give it a rewatch on my TV and just sort of, like, relax with it, maybe pick out some more of the details and stuff. I I didn't dislike it. I didn't super like it. Maybe I like it more. I enjoyed it. It was everything I wanted it to be, most everything I wanted it to be. We've discussed this. It was fine. Yeah. Mandalorian Season 3 is already in development. Uh, Favreau's hard to work on scripts and they're doing a lot of pre-production and sending concept art and such. None of this surprises me because Mandalorian is probably the highest rated thing Disney's done in a long, long time. And Disney and Lucasfilm have grabbed uh, Leslie Headland, who did Russian Doll over on Netflix to helm a female-centric Star Wars show, it sounds like, uh, though that's still pretty early on in development. Uh, it does sound like it's not going to be set in any of the eras that we currently have shows in. That's why I'm suddenly interested. I mean, female-led show, also cool, as we've talked about, representation matters. But expanding the eras would be really good. Um, it'd be a great time to do... God, what's their new their new publishing initiative? The High Republic? Mm-hmm. This would be a great place to do that. That's what I was kind of thinking. Like, like really make it... It would make the High Republic feel like it matters more than a bunch of books and comics would. As much as I will always swear by books and comics. Yeah. I just... I want to see more eras, just in general. <laughs> Give us more. Yeah. Give me more Star Wars. Give me I, more good Star Wars. <laughs> my expanded universe love had me reading stuff from before the Republic to a hundred years after Luke Skywalker. So having a wider variety again, even if it all is the same flavor, is uh, something I'm always in favor of. What do you think of the character Simon Templar, the saint? I don't know if I know that. Character. Oh, uh, all right. Well, the saint uh, is one of these characters that reaches to back in the day, created in 1928. Uh, there was novels and then early films in the 30s and 40s. The most uh, Val Kilmer did a version in the 90s, which I was a fan of. 
Uh, the I've other, heard that. I didn't know that was part of an ongoing character. Uh, the other big thing is that uh, Roger Moore, before he was Bond, played the saint in a TV series. No, oh, holy shit. Yeah, I'm looking him up here. There's a lot of people that have played this character. And they're currently trying to get Chris Pine to do it for a new version. Okay. I like Chris Pine. He never strikes me as... He doesn't strike me as the same kind of, like, smooth, suave that Val Kilmer and Roger Moore can pull off, but I, I have no connection to this person, so this character, so who knows? Maybe it'd go great. I think he'd make a pretty good Simon Templar. Uh, the script is being written by Seth Graham Smith, who did Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Uh, yeah. And I think Pine's just overall pretty charming, so I, if he's going to be a spy, I'll watch it. Or it's not even, yeah. it's kind of spy, kind of more spy than not. Kind of a <laughs> little bit of spy, a little bit of thief by the look of it. Yeah. Uh, cool. I like Bond movies. I like heist movies. I like all that kind of setup. I enjoyed Kingsman a lot because it, you know, modernized a lot of what Bond did. So sure, man, bring it on. Let's let's have more old characters and if it does well it'll help encourage people to do things like the phantom and the green hornet and the stuff that i do care about dick tracy i would love to see dick tracy make a random ass comeback yeah that'd be sweet that'd be sweet i want to bring this up just so we can laugh at it uh the Please. venom sequel has an official title oh i heard this it was it was super edgelord venom colon let there be carnage yep <laughs> yep, that's pretty edgelord. Oh my god. Oh, I hate Carnage so much. Oh, people are so excited for it, and I don't know why, but good. Good for them. <laughs> I'm not excited for that fucking title to be everywhere forever. <laughs> Let there be Carnage. The oh. 90s never ended. Also, just gonna get this out there. You're making a movie where Carnage is the big bad villain and you're not using Maximum Carnage as the name? It's right there. It's right it's there. It's the most famous Carnage storyline. It's right there. It's the only one that I've ever purposely tried to read and I didn't finish it. I'll, I'll get there. It's sitting next to my bed. Also, all you have to do is name it Maximum Carnage. It doesn't have to be Venom colon Maximum Carnage, but if you wanted to brand it that way, you could. They, they did a sequel series later called Minimum Carnage, which had a purpose to it, but I've never been able to get over how wonderful I think that name is. Uh, <laughs> this, oh shit, this actually kind of links up because the writers of the first Venom movie have been tapped to do a live action One Punch Man. I thought I saw something about this. Um, I have watched the first few episodes of One Punch Man. I have started the One Punch Man manga twice, and I thought it was very good. It's very pretty, but it didn't hold my attention. Okay. Uh, and that is definitely not any indication of its quality, but more where my mind works. Mm -hmm. Parodies can be done extremely well, but uh, for me to care about a parody, I generally want to care about the characters and there wasn't a ton to make me care about the characters yet. I'm told, get in a couple of chapters and you'll start to care about the side characters a lot. So I haven't given up. I still <laughs> want to give it the gold college try. 
I got to stop using that phrase. I was terrible at college. I never went anywhere. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Is it like what, like a Netflix adaption? No, I think it's going to be like big screen. That's going to be hard just with the basis of what One Punch Man is. Like One Punch Man doesn't get amazing over the top. He's going to lose battles because he's One Punch Man. Right. I don't know. I'm not saying it can't be done. I, I yeah. need to know more before I get excited. And I also have yet to see Venom to know how these guys write. But I don't know. I'm not going to hold the Venom movie against these guys. Not because I liked the Venom movie, but. I don't know, because. I try not to assume. <laughs> um, um, I do like to know where what at least they did, though. I wouldn't necessarily hold them against them. That movie made a shit ton of money. And it looks fun. Uh, everything I've heard is that Tom Hardy does good, no matter what you think of the rest of it. So I really do recommend that you watch it. And no, if nothing else, we'll do an episode on it. Venom was a lot of fun. It was just, in my opinion, an extremely bad movie. <laughs> that does not mean it's not an enjoyable movie. That does not mean that I think people are wrong for liking it. Uh, but I thought I was a fucking train wreck and someday we'll do an episode on it just so I can get that all out of my system. Yeah, that sounds good to me. Uh, oh, along God, with this guy, one of these guys wrote gone in 60 seconds. So that's not a great start. <laughs> I like that movie a lot. Or maybe he was in it. <laughs> he wrote the screenplay for the original John Cusack High Fidelity, which I oh. loved that movie, but watched it recently. It is real sexist. Hmm. But I mean, that's just kind of the story. <laughs> that's just kind of. <laughs> yeah, I haven't mm -hmm. seen that in a long time now. Huh. He wrote Tales from the Crypt. Anyways, focusing up now. Sorry, guys. We're like a month and a half into the quarantine. I'm just sitting here in comfy pants and wrapped in a blanket and have lost all sense of time or how to hold a conversation. No, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> to go along with that. Now, this next part. I've been kind of listing out a bunch of things these past couple weeks. I didn't write down any dates this time because it's just going to be wave after wave of shit. Uh, Sony's changed the date, uh, the release date of all their Spider-Man movies, which in turn caused other studios to change dates. And I think that's just going to be the way it goes for a long time until we figure out exactly what is going to happen with this virus. So. Wait, all their Spider-Man... How many Spider-Man movies do they have at this point? Well, they had... I mean, the, Morbius. The next Tom Holland got pushed back, and Spider-Verse got pushed back. But both oh, of those, those getting pushed back um, changed, caused, like, Disney to change the date on Thor Ragnarok and changed, like, a different universal date and something else, so... <sighs> That's all. Just... Actually, the Thor Ragnarok date, though, I think is going to really work. It's now slated for, like, February 11th, 2021? 20, 22? Fuck, I can't remember. Uh, I'm assuming you mean Love and Thunder here. Yeah, and so Love and Thunder... Oh, yeah. I, I said Ragnarok, didn't I? Yeah, you did. That's okay. I was, I'm, I've been thinking about Ragnarok. But <laughs> Love and Thunder right before the, uh, Valentine's Day? I think it's going to work. I think it could work, and February's not a huge 
competitive time, so it'd be a good one to put out the weird Marvel movie. Yeah, uh, February's when Deadpool would always make all of its money. That's true. So I think it could work. I think it'd work in a big way. So maybe not bad changes, maybe things that'll actually work out to get even more eyes on some of these super, super nerdy projects. <laughs> all right, so I only have one last little bit of news. Uh, something just to keep all of our spirits lifted as we sit around and have nothing better to do than watch Netflix. God, we need it. All three seasons of Avatar The Last Airbender will be on Netflix May 15th. Uh, oh, I saw that. Do you know if... Is Korra going to be on there as well? or No, but I think Korra is already currently more easily attainable than Last Airbender. I'll have to check it out then. I I have all of Airbender on DVD, so this is like, yay, but more for other people, yay, than for me, yay. Although, awesome. I know several people who use Avatar The Last Airbender in their parenting techniques. The show's amazing. So, oh, it's, it's so good. Uh, if you get the chance, check out the sequel comics that were written. Like, you find out what happens to Zuko's mother and all of that. Mm. That were written... Not by the people that created the show, but with approval and like input from the people who made the show. Um, and by a guy named I own almost everything that he writes. Why can I not think of his name? And written by Jean Luen Yang, who is writing that Superman versus the Klan book that I've mentioned a couple of times. Oh, okay. I've actually read some of those. I just don't think I ever finished them. The only one I own is the one about Zuko's mother that Cece bought me because she desperately wanted to know what happened to Zuko's mother. Mm -hmm. And buying me the big fantasy comic book was a really good way for her to justify doing that. <laughs> um, <laughs> and she says she still hasn't read it. That's no one's fault but your own. That was like three years ago. I guess I have one more really quick thing that's more just super early rumors, but I would like to fan the the fires of this rumor to make it happen Fan those rumors um six seasons in a movie oh a community movie now that community is doing really well on netflix and everyone is sort of like yeah we would like to do it if somebody comes together and has us do it again the rumors are the back question... that maybe now that netflix has it they'll make the movie come true the real question is, would they be able to get Donald Glover to come back? That's the biggest question. 100%. Because, I mean, they did a couple seasons without him, so it's not like it's impossible. But Troy and Abed were so much more charming together as Troy and Abed than they ever were alone. Uh, I completely agree. I also understand just how hard it would be to get him these days. <laughs> yeah, no, he's uh, real high demand, I'm sure. <laughs> And we can just do without Chevy Chase's character. That relationship fell apart with Dan Harmon and him. They didn't like each other much in the first place. And uh, Chevy Chase's character was fucking terrible in that show. Uh, and killed off, right? That's right. I think they I, I had stopped watching by that point, but they uh, had a funeral of his. Uh, yeah, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's fine. If it does happen, even if you could get Donald Glover for like 10 seconds, 10 seconds. Yeah, short just cameo. like a 
a, a video chat with Abed at the very beginning or something like that. Yeah. Like just enough that he's that'd be fun. Uh, but I was going to say is the the shitty old man character that's so popular in sitcoms and was really popular for a while there mm-hmm. is really hard to do on any kind of continuing basis. The only show I've ever seen do it right, I think, is Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And it's because they really don't overuse the character. Hitchcock and Scully are there, but not there a lot. While any Pierce-heavy show in community was just unwatchable. It's it's also a bit hard to keep the show going with a character like that when by pretty much all accounts that character is kind of that person behind the scenes. Yeah, Chevy Chase is supposed to be crazy difficult to work with. Yeah. Like why he doesn't have a career anymore. Yeah, I've I've never heard anything good about working with him. Just too bad. He's funny, but there's only so far funny will take you when there are other people who are funny and actually fun to work with at the same time. Exactly. Now that's all I have. Yeah. Six seasons in a movie. If nothing else, I like that how strongly that sentence has connected that the moment that you said that I was like, oh, hey, community. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're still waiting on that goddamn movie. So from a fucking throwaway line about the cape. <laughs> Which was a show I legitimately loved, by the way. Have you ever seen that? No. It's uh, Abed talks about it and like Joel McHale's character is like, it's going to get canceled in a week. And he yells six seasons in a movie and he's talking about the cape. And it's a really, if we're honest, really bad superhero show that so leans into its we're a superhero show that it's a lot of fun. <laughs> It's ridiculously terrible, but Keith David was in it, so it's automatic as the leader of a crime circus. Yes. If that doesn't sell you on the show, nothing else. Oh, and River Tam was in it. Uh, Summer Glau. Oh, okay. It's a bad show. You had me at Keith David, but. Keith David and Summer Glau are amazing in this really terrible show that you should watch. I will keep that for those two reasons and nothing else. Uh, That's all I got for news. I'm done. That That's some good news. That's, those are some fine news. Uh, let's take a quick break, and then we will jump into what we do in the shadows. Woo! So, as I mentioned before in the earlier parts of this episode, uh, last week we did Letterkenny, which you hadn't watched, and this week we're doing... What we do in the shadows, which I haven't watched because everything we've done so far in this podcast has been stuff that at least one of us knows really goddamn well. And exactly. the other one had like some experience with. So I, I've really actually enjoyed. Let's try something new. Well, I'm glad that you enjoyed. Let's try something new. But did you enjoy what we do in the shadows? <laughs> I really this might be my favorite movie I've watched yet this year. And I oh, went that's in, exciting to hear. <laughs> I went in knowing I was going to like it because I just really liked Thor Ragnarok, the only Taika Waititi movie I've seen before this. Mm -hmm. Um, And knowing that I at the very least enjoyed Jermaine Clement. But I was a little nervous because I'd heard nothing but amazing reviews for it. Only just, oh, my God, this movie's so fucking good. And you know how it is. Anytime people talk about how great a movie is, you're like, oh, my God, is it is it going to be too hyped up? Am I actually going to enjoy it? And the answer is yes. 
<laughs> yes, I did. So awesome. Um, this movie was a lot of fun. And I am super in love with Taika's character, who is Viego Don Viego von Dorma Schmarten Schädenheimberg, ne von Blitzenberg. Yes. Have fun with that pronunciation. <laughs> um, he was just just so charming in it. So I guess uh, we we've mentioned on the past in the past that our experience with horror is a little bit different. Not that this is a horror movie, but uh, it's vampires themes play into like, horror. Yeah. It, it takes inspiration from horror. I mean, their guy downstairs, uh, God, what was his Peter? Peter is just Nosferatu. He's just Count... Orlock. I can't think of the, Orlock, yeah. He's just Count Orlock, but older. I, I guess I that's where I was actually super glad to see Peter, but um, I guess that's where I was getting. Did you catch all of who they were kind of lampooning? I know that I didn't. Peter's the easy but I was one. Yeah, Peter's the easy one. Uh, Jermaine Clement, Clement as Vladislav the poker is super fucking obvious who he is. Right. He's more uh, Dracula. He based his performance mm -hmm. on Gary Oldman's Dracula in Francis Ford Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula. God, I haven't watched that movie in a long time. Uh, I'm assuming Taika Waititi was kind of the interview with a vampire. Yes, he's very much Louis. Not so uh, much Lestat. No, and then is Jonathan Brugge as Deacon Brooke? That's the, the hard Lestat one. character? Or? That's the thing, he so... In my opinion, he's the one that's a little bit murkier than the others. Deacon, to me, seemed like a mix between uh, Lestat, who, although he eventually be literally became a rock star later on, um, was from a little bit older. Mm -hmm. I mean, technically, I mean, he's the one that turned Louis, even though in this, their, their stand-ins are the other way around. Yeah. Uh, at, at least as far as age age-wise. Uh, but he seemed to be a mix between like Lestat and like the the Lost Boys vampires. There was also a little bit of reference, I feel like, to Baron Blood, who's a Captain America villain, with the mm. whole Nazi vampire setup. Oh, I mean, yeah. Nazi vampires, definitely just a thing, because you know, if you want something to be bad, you can make it worse by making it a Nazi. And People love to mix Nazis in the occult, just as is. Mm -hmm. um, but I definitely got distracted by that being like, oh, look, it's it's barren blood. Where's your where's your weird costume there, buddy? Um, uh, well, and that's it, the thing. It, I think to me, uh, Deacon is supposed to be like the in general bad boy vampire. So at one really point, bad, bad boy vampire was Lestat. At another point, Bad Boy Vampire was like Lost Boys or Near Dark. But at a weird time in the 70s, early 80s, late 60s, in Grindhouse Nazi ploitation films, Bad Boy it Vampires was, Nazis. was Nazi vampires. <laughs> well, and it fits. Taika has talked before about how he has a kind of weird obsession with Nazis. Mm hmm. And they appear in his stuff a lot. 
Uh, it might be my only critique of this film. Not that they had a Nazi vampire. That's a good reference to vampire stuff. But that they're like, oh, hey, this guy was a Nazi. And then we're never going to mention it again. There's never any moment of like, like maybe that's, not that's good. a bad thing. <laughs> like, just, oh, hey, he was a Nazi. Okay. Oh, oh fucking Jermaine with the fuck. Maybe we should own slaves. <laughs> that line was so awkward, but so good. Um, I was really impressed actually by Jermaine Clement here because, you know, I've seen Flight of the Concords. So I obviously know Mana. I know who he is. And this was still a very like comedic role for him, but it was it was a lane that I never really expected to see him in before. Because <laughs> I knew he was involved with this movie. I didn't know that he was one of the actors as well. Oh, right. That he was going to be one of the leads. <laughs> yeah. And I was watching and like for the first five minutes, I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? I know him from somewhere. Oh, it's the Concords guy. Oh, Vladislav the poker. <laughs> so how much did you actually know going in besides the reviews? Like, did you know it was mockumentary style? I knew it was a mockumentary. Okay. I knew that there were two spinoff shows. There was the What We Do in the Shadows, and there was, what is the other one called? Hold on. Um, uh, Wellington Paranormal. And I knew it involved two cops who were in the thing, and I knew it was Taika Waititi. That was about it. And I was a little nervous because I'm not a huge fan of the mockumentary concept. Mm -hmm. It can be done really well. Uh, Parks and Rec, for example, I really enjoyed, especially like, mid-series Parks and Rec. The Office as a mockumentary, I can barely watch. So <laughs> I am not against the concept of a mockumentary, but it is not a format that I leap to. Okay. Uh, see, I will say for myself and my history with this movie, I was the exact opposite because I was like, a mockumentary, you say? Oh, and it's about vampires? I'm in. I didn't even know it was a comedy when I first heard about it. I was like, mockumentary with vampires? Give me more, please. Yeah. Apparently, I, I went in some lookup of this movie because I was watching it with Yui, who was on a Podful of Mando episode with us. And they are a huge, huge fan of Taika Waititi. And they really enjoy this movie. And they mentioned that there's something like a hundred hours of recordings of these people just going around being vampires. Oh, like 120 hours, 120 hours. They could have made so many fucking movies. There's three cuts of this movie alone. There was like just story cut, just funny cut and just, and then the like in between cut, which is what we got. Uh, so I just <laughs> want to see what else they came up with. The bringing that up, I think is a good little segue into into something interesting about this movie. And how much did you look up Stu's involvement? Maybe we should in, maybe we should explain who Stu is because we haven't even mentioned all the vampires yet. I suppose because we still haven't talked about Nick either. Okay, let's finish talking about the characters and then we'll get to Stu and I will answer your question when we get to Stu. Sounds good. Next up, they have, I guess before we get to the, the fourth vampire, there is the familiar. I forget her name. Uh, Jackie. She, Jackie. I just felt bad for her the entire fucking time. Uh, she was played by Jackie Van Beek 
Very straightforward there. Uh, <laughs> I thought she was pretty funny, but pretty depressing at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really drove home. Deacon is a piece of shit. Yes. Deacon <laughs> is like, there's not really a redeeming point of Deacon at any point in this. He's kind of funny, but he mostly just sucks. Yeah. And then there is. I mean, Nick. I mean, his oh, erotic sorry, dancing might be a high point for him. OK, I will give him the erotic dance to entertain his friends. He likes to put on a show. Uh, <laughs> and his friends looking so uncomfortable the whole time. <laughs> and then there is Nick, who is a vampire who is turned in it. He was supposed to be killed, but then Peter brought him back to life as a vampire. And it's this movie is kind of about Nick, I guess. He's like it feels like him and Viago are the like main characters as it were. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree. Because Deacon mostly just lazes around. Yeah. Peter is uh, Peter. <laughs> Peter might have been my favorite part. Um, and I think then, you could make... Uh, I mean, Vladislav has the strongest side plot with the Beast, but... Yeah, probably. Maybe not the strongest, because uh, then we have the werewolves, but we're good. Does there. Nick... Nick doesn't really, like, fit a vampire stereotype, really. He's just, hey, look... This guy's a vampire now. Exactly. He's He's kind of like the new cool. He makes fun of. I mean, he calls himself Twilight a couple times, but he's not like a sparkly vampire. Mm -hmm. Although I think it's funny that he's just straight up calling himself Twilight. I'm a vampire. I'm Twilight. I'm a vampire. Yeah, I'm a vampire. Uh, And then his buddy, Stu, who is a human, who he just likes. He just likes Stu. Everyone just likes Stu. The entire point of this movie is pretty much that people just like Stu. All right. Um, so have you read about Stu's involvement? I've heard bits. From what I understand, he was either a, a a friend of Taika from like childhood or was on a previous movie with him or something like that. All right. So <laughs> and they just liked him. So they brought him onto this movie. Uh, so. In, like, the early 2000s, I believe he was flatmates with Taika. Mm. Specifically around, like, 2005, which is when they did the short that this was based off of. Hmm. Uh, He was into other things. Like, he really is an IT guy. (laughs) Yeah, apparently any time that he was describing stuff, that's just him talking about his job. Yeah, that's literally what he does, so... Like, it was cool, and, like, he he liked those guys and got on with, like, Taika's friends and stuff, but, like, he wasn't ever, like, a main part of their projects, but it was like, hey, Stu, do you mind if we store this coffin in your room for a couple days? Yeah, no problem, whatever. (laughs) And so then he had, like, ten seconds in the original short that this was based off of. But he kind of dug it, got into acting a little bit, tried to get, like, some commercial work, um... He was actually directed by Peter Jackson in this short that only shows in, like, an Australian museum or something like that. Or an Australian, I think, like, probably more of a New Zealand museum, but I think they might show in, like, two different museums in both places or something like that, because it has something to do with uh, uh, World War II. Anyway, his involvement in this was kind of just a long joke from Taika and Jermaine to be like, well, let's cast an IT guy named Stu as an IT guy named Stu. Mm-hmm. 
like Taika like hit him up being like, don't take any acting classes, shit like that, because he wanted that 2005 version of Stu that like he lived with at one point. Not a Stu that actually <laughs> did become like slightly interested in in film and had worked behind the scenes on, I believe it was Boy. It might have been the other one that Taika did, um, the Eagle vs. Shark. I can't remember which. And Stu was kind of like, well, if I'm repre- I'm basically reprising my role from the original. So if I was in 10 seconds of the original and it was a 20-minute short, then if you make it a full-length movie, I'm probably going to be in like 40 seconds. Mm-hmm. And they had him on set and would sometimes just have him doing like IT stuff. And sometimes it'd just be like, just go sit in that room and react, <laughs> fuck react to what we do around you. And that's where yeah, like that 120 he, hours comes from. Apparently he didn't know that he was like the major part of the storyline until he went to the premiere. Right. He he understood that his part was more important than what he thought it was about 10 minutes before they shot it with the whole werewolf bit. Because obviously he had to know something was going on because he all got in in like that makeup and stuff, right? Stu, 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 Stu. Oh, my God. But like Uh, he still had a day job while he was shooting this movie. So he kept like leaving (laughs) and his coworkers would be like, well, how much are you in the movie? He's like, no, it's just a bit part. And then it got closer to the movie coming out and they're like, well, you're on the poster. And he's like, well, yeah, but there's a bunch of people on the poster. (laughs) Jesus, Stu. And then finally at their premiere realized like, oh, I'm like the most important thing in the last third of the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I do love that they just introduced this human character that all the vampires just fall in love with. Every one of them is just like, he's amazing. He's Stu. Teaching him, teaching them how to use like the internet and surprisingly sweet moments of like letting them watch YouTube videos of of a sunrise, the sunrise, or they're all just hanging out with Stu while he eats chips. Like, uh, <laughs> oh, teaching Vladislav how to use Facebook. Oh, look, okay, you you can poke them. Do you want a poker? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> um. Or the really, like, at first sweet and then awkward moment where Taika's character prints off a picture of the woman he's in love with (laughs) and tapes it to the top of his coffin. And you're like, this is really sweet and kind of sad. And then and then it becomes very obvious that he's masturbating in that coffin. And you're like, oh, oh, no. Uh, Oh, all right. I got one more little stew bit for you. Because I know how much you love Thor Ragnarok. Uh-huh. Is he in that? He, I think he was in the background in a deleted scene. But he, more importantly, did something else. What did he do? Him and another guy who I wish I would have wrote down the name of, and I don't have it in front of me now, uh, developed the filming technology that they used to do the Valkyrie uh, flashback sequences. Oh, Cool. Not my favorite scenes in Thor Ragnarok, but that's still really fucking awesome. Apparently, it's a big, big problem to slow things down that much and have the shadows and the lighting react the way that they do in that. Mm. And they came up with this rig that uh, using a lot of something like a thousand different lights 
uh, sequenced in a certain pattern actually rotate around the performers at faster than the speed of sound while they're taking those shots. Damn. That's impressive. I don't know how it helps. All I know is that it ends up looking like those cool little flashback sequences that you saw in Thor Ragnarok uh, during the Valkyrie fight with with Hela. Wow, that's that's legitimately impressive. Yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah, that's insane. Way to go, Stu. (laughs) Um, So I'm unsure of how to like talk about this because I'm unsure of how much I want. We want to like spoil this movie or it's kind of a hard movie to spoil because not much happens. It's just sort of a like hour and a half slice of life of these vampires. Right. Um, I suppose. Oh, and that's the other thing. Like we could talk about a lot of what happens, but a lot of it would be explaining jokes and that's not funny. Right. Like what's the point of that? that, (laughs) Huh? Uh, So I guess, what did you think about the werewolves? Were you expecting to see werewolves? Uh, I knew that there was going to be werewolves because I had heard the rumor that they were going to make a sequel called Werewolves. Which I still hope happens one day. <laughs> uh, which he's described as his the lie that they tell each other or something like that. Um, they were fun. The They did werewolves about as well as you can do werewolves on film, I think, because werewolves just don't seem to work very well. Mm-hmm. They, they never look right. Just as a rule. Uh, so doing them in the like shaky camera, clearly men in fursuits, but whatever, just roll with it. I thought was a clever way of going about it. Uh, the werewolf being really uncomfortable with swearing, I thought was really funny because CC's dog can't handle people swearing. Oh, wow. Like, That's funny. Someone will say shit on the TV and she'll like get up and crawl into your lap and like hide. Oh, except she's way too big to do that. So um, <laughs> it was clever to have them just be people, but be dogs at the same time, like toss a thing and automatically one of them's like, oh, got to go grab it now. Oh, yeah. like, no, that's not really there. God damn it. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Werewolves, not swearwolves. Yeah, werewolves, not swearwolves. Uh, having them like trying to chain themselves up to trees and being like, that's not a thick enough chain. What are you fucking thinking? You see how big you grow. That's not going right. to do anything. <laughs> uh, how about, oh shit. So did Peter's death hit you? Yes. Yes. Way harder than I was expecting it to. And that was the one thing I wanted to make sure we talked about was... They uh, they kill Peter and one, it's weirdly traumatic because there's a guy on fire. Yeah. And then their whole thing of like, I sweet Peter. And I'm like, you're terrified of Peter. <laughs> He's 8,000 years brought old. Him a, <laughs> you brought him a chicken and we're like, okay, I'm going to go now. I'm like, okay, bye. Uh, but, you know, the full on creepy ass Nosferatu that lives in their basement and he dies and everyone is just torn up and you're just like, oh, no. Oh, Peter. <laughs> oh, buddy. It's strangely uh, it, moving. This whole movie is strangely moving, man. Um, <clears throat> And in the wake of Peter, what did you think of the cops? The cops might have been my least favorite part of this movie. They were funny, but... 
I wanted them to go back to let's learn more about these vampires. Okay. Although it was really great to watch them just be, every time they think they see something, it turns out to be like, oh, look, there's no. Oh, look, this is a fire hazard when there's clearly a dead guy right there. <laughs> like, uh, but even then, most of what I enjoyed there was Taika Waititi's acting of being like, oh, no. Oh, OK, we're OK. Oh, we're OK. <laughs> just it, the, the like uncomfortable look she kept giving the computer, not the computer, the, the camera. Oh, that's so good. Where they're just completely unsure if their hypnosis worked or not. Yeah. And really, more than anything else, I mean, it's a Taika Waititi movie, so it was automatically going to be something that I liked for Taika Waititi. But his acting in this movie really drove home how it's what made the movie so good for me. He was so weird and charming and sweet. And like, it's like trying to set up a nice little date night for the person he's about to devour. Like, I think they had a good evening. I, I think they had fun. <laughs> Dead body just covered in blood. Oh, oh, shit. Um, I, I could have just watched hours of that. Just him wandering around being being Taika, I guess. Well, I mean, apparently hours exist. So, yeah, man, get it out to us. So I know we've been mentioning bits here and there throughout it as we've been mentioning all the different characters Without, like, just talking scene by scene through this movie, are there anything anything else we haven't talked about yet that just super stands out? Any particular jokes or just things that we haven't hit on yet? Taika's character spends the whole movie pining after this woman that he knew in, like, the 30s, the 20s, something like that, years and years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then at the very end... When she's like 96, he turns her and he's suddenly in this relationship with this like 96 year old woman. And I'm expecting some kind like it was funny and sweet, but I was expecting a kind of like ageist joke or something like that. Like, oh, how's this going to work? But he has this moment. He's like, if anyone says like, uh, what's this 96 year old woman doing with a man four times her age? Like, oh, they can call me a cradle robber if they want. And I'm just like, oh, my God, you're just so... You're so sweet. This movie should not be as sweet as it is the whole time I'm watching it. Uh, I saw I, I saw an ad on Facebook today that was like, hey, Kickstarter, you should kickstart this vampire movie from the 80s that we're trying to make or about the 80s we're trying to make. And it's like the vampire movie that like the last vampire movie you'll ever need. I'm like, we, we already have what we do in the shadows. It's over. We do not need more of them. So I guess that's the real question. Do we need more or not? What did you think of the first episode of the series? I liked it. I want to watch more of it, and I'm planning to watch more of it probably tonight. But I did, and I there will be time, but I didn't find the characters as charming. I was kind of holding it against them that they weren't Taika Watiti. Nandor uh, especially comes off very Taika-ish at first. L- until he very gets much time so. to grow into the character more. I think as the characters determine them, I mean, I've only seen the first episode. I think as the characters figure out more who they are, I will enjoy it a lot more. Uh, The one thing that did make me laugh, and I was almost offended at first, of they have to go find virgins because virgins taste best. (laughs) And and they go find LARPers. And I had a moment of like, hey, and I'm like, oh, no, that's an easy joke. And I thought about it and like, I don't think you understand 
how much LARPers fuck each other. Right. Hookup culture in LARPs is way more than you think it is. And it doesn't go well for the people who think they're going to go there for the hookup culture. But anytime they're like, oh, nerds are virgins. Like, no, nerds have a lot of sex just with each other. Just <laughs> just with each other. <laughs> they They can't pick each other up at a bar, but almost every nerd I know just reel into the sex life side of things. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can, I can, uh, I can agree to that. <laughs> can confirm. Can confirm. <laughs> uh, what did you think of it? Cause you, you watched it too. And have you seen the whole season? Yeah, or? I've seen it all. Okay. Uh, I've seen the first season twice now and I'm up to date in the second season as well. Great. Um, I love it. It's hard for me to think about just the first episode because I know where these characters go, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's definitely a thing. Nandor does start off very just like knockoff of Taika from the movie. And that he's really... like somewhere between Taika and uh, Jermaine's character, Jermaine's character. Exactly. And that really stands out, him. especially in that first episode. I don't know if it's ever not true of his character, but as it goes on and he interacts interacts with the new characters more, it becomes less of an issue. If that well, makes well, and Jermaine runs the show, right? Or he's heavily involved with it. I think Jermaine and Taika are both executive producers. Okay, I, I I knew they had made or were involved in the show. I didn't know how much they were involved, so. What I'm excited for, as you continue to watch it, is uh, Colin Robinson, the psychic vampire introduced in the show, is amazing. Holy fucking hell, he might be my favorite character out of both properties. He has he was the best part of the first episode, at the very least, like every time he showed up and was just (laughs) weird, uncomfortable IT guy. Uh just mediocre man, but as a psychic vampire is one of the most brilliant concepts. I think I've seen come out of a vampire movie. That's going to be so much more effective than say Peter. And he, he only continues to get better as it goes on. As you find out like where he goes to do his main feeding and shit. It's just hilarious. Yeah. They showed bits of him feeding at the office and I was like, that's who those people are. (laughs) Yeah. He even has a he gets a romance for an episode. Oh, my God. Yeah. The show is I was really worried at first because of how much I love the movie. I probably had watched the movie eight times before I saw the show for the first time. <laughs> and I liked. Oh, go ahead. Past the reservations about Nandor in the beginning and just uh, just not enough from Laszlo or Nadja yet in those in that beginning episode. I mm-hmm. I still liked it enough to go on. And by the end of that first season, I like that show is so, so darling to me. Uh, I liked the movie enough that I watched it last night. And part of me is like, I could watch it again. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to right now. Like, I try not to watch the same movie two nights in a row. But uh the, the thought is there. Yeah, I watched it like eight last night and then again at like 10 this morning. It was pretty great. 
uh, Guillermo, the familiar in the show, also continues just to get better and better as it goes on. I thought Guillermo was really charming. I mean, he's very clearly the Jackie character from the movie, but I think he has some potential range that Jackie just didn't have time for. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm excited to hear what you think, because if you watch more of it, I think it I was so worried about it, as I mentioned, I think it's a super worthy follow up to the movie. Um, Definitely going to watch more of it. Uh, And I do want to see the cop one. That I think the third season is coming out soon. Like, it's still ongoing. Yeah, that's the only bit that I haven't watched either yet is the cop one. And I'm excited to sort of seek that out and give that a shot myself. I do kind of like that both of the things that we've picked for, like, let's watch something the other person hasn't seen. Both started from short films. Because Letterkenny was originally a YouTube channel. And it was actually a Twitter account before that. Yeah, and this was that short way back in 05. And then... And I did not plan this out of like, oh, let's let's watch two charming things that started as short films. But but I succeeded. So, yay, good job, me. (laughs) Like you said, I I kind of just if people haven't watched this yet, I really want them to. So I don't want to say too much more about either one of them, really. Yeah, it's it's hard to talk about because, as I said, not much happens. But I just want people to watch it so much that I'm really glad that we did this episode. Uh, Uh, Do you have any bat fight? Bat fight. Oh, man, I would so watch a vampire fight where they turn into two bats. Uh, The bit where he one of them, Deacon transforms out of the bat, grabs the other guy who's still a bat and throws him against the wall is just like, ow. Right. I I winced. And also, I just want to point out that uh, the part where Nick gets bitten by Peter, that three minute sequence is a really good short horror movie. Yeah, they did a. When they wanted to, they did a really good job of leaning into the creepy here, which is probably why this movie works. Um, this is actually, when I was talking about One Punch Man earlier, a, a really great example of it is a parody of a thing, but it is very honest of its love of the thing at the same time. And it takes the time to make you care about the characters in a really in-depth way. It, it gives stuff to them and having him be like is this not fucked up to you guys like what's going on here (laughs) although at the same time it's really funny of how like calmly he took that they transformed his penis into a snake right and very he's like my my penis is a snake my penis is cobra now i'm I'm gonna go like i think i would freak out a little bit harder myself as well there would be some screaming and some fainting in my case (laughs) 100 percent Oh, I man. do not like snakes. I do not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it for me, though. Yeah, I think that's about what it is. It's not a super long movie. I think it's only like an hour and a half total. So go watch this movie. See, imagine what all else there is that there's almost a hundred times the length of this movie just out there floating about of them goofing around as vampires. So insane. I want to watch it all. If he released it all, I would watch it all. (laughs) Probably. Uh, Do you have any recommendations for this week? Recommendations? Well, I'm pretty sure I've already recommended uh, Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon on one of our earlier podcasts, which makes me really sad because it is a really, really good pairing to this movie. You have? And then I think Yui recently mentioned it to me as one of their favorite movies. Uh, Oh, because it is fantastic so instead (laughs) 
Uh, as I was trying to think of something else that would pair well with this movie, uh, it is not meta in the same sense, but I would love to recommend the Japanese zombie movie uh, One Cut of the Dead. Okay. Uh, One Cut of the Dead is... Ooh, how to explain this? One Cut of the Dead... First off, I want to say that it's a zombie movie, but it's not a standard zombie movie. It's... I'm trying to think of what would be considered a spoiler or not for this movie. I don't want to get into spoiler territory, and it's kind of better... The, the little, the more, the least you know about this movie, the, the better in a way. But I also want to give you enough to sell it. So <laughs> have fun with that line. It's a movie about making a zombie movie where a zombie attack happens while making a zombie movie. Okay. That sounds more interesting than 90% of zombie movies right there. Uh, the first, the only thing, so here's the one thing, this is a, a minor spoiler, uh, but it made me kind of upset when I went into this movie with its name, One Cut of the Dead. The entire movie is unfortunately not a oneer, uh, but the first 30 minutes of the movie is one cut. That is crazy. That's got to be so difficult to do. And the rest of the movie is the fictional tale of how that one cut happened. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Um, one cut movies are supposed to just be a fucking nightmare to do. And they're yeah. rarely just one cut. They're just like very cleverly making it look like one cut. Right. They have the little hidden edits here and there. Mm -hmm. um, no, the first like 25 minutes, 30 minutes, something like that is a legitimate one cut. And then they show you how they made that one cut within the movie, which isn't actually how that one cut was made in real life. <laughs> okay. It's amazing. Uh, it's, it's inspirational if nothing else. I've never seen a movie that was so imaginative while at the same time making me feel like here's all you need to do. You can do this yourself as well. Oh, that's awesome. That's the best kind of thing. Like, this is crazy and insane, but it's you could do it at home. Uh, and if somebody's put off by the fact that it, it's a zombie movie, it is an extremely, extremely intentionally low budget zombie movie that it it's not it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> OK, so one cut of the dead. That's what I got. All right. Um. My recommendation is way out of fucking left field here. It is uh, My Scientology Movie by Louis Thoreau. Okay. Uh, Yui, my roommate, was watching it, and I've mentioned them about 15 times here. But they're one of the only people I see these days, so they get to have that. Um, <laughs> and Louis Thoreau is a British documentary maker who decided to make a documentary about Scientology. The name is very straightforward. And he's working together with a guy named Mark Rathbun, who had been a huge member of Scientology, but then became a huge critic of them after having a falling out with the church. Hmm. Okay. And uh, they are casting actors and filming scenes from his memory, like as accurately as they could. 
and the Scientologists, the, the Church of Scientology finds out about them doing this and large parts of the movie is the Scientology move or Scientologists like creeping on them. Oh, like just showing up with cameras and stuff and calling the cops on them and like they're recording the whole thing. Um, oh shit. It is a super unnerving movie. I it has stuck with me for days. Mark Rathbun, the guy who I mean, he was apparently like the number two guy in Scientology for a while. We'll talk about how little he cares about Scientology and how little this affects him, but is so clearly traumatized by everything he went through. But then, like, they'll recreate disturbing moments from Scientology's history and he'll just get the, like, creepiest I'm living for this smile. Hmm. And, like, it's pretty clear that it's not so much that he didn't like Scientology, but from what I've gathered, because I read up on him a little bit afterwards, it's that he didn't like that he wasn't in charge of Scientology. Oh, shit. Okay, yeah, yeah, I gotcha. And the whole movie is really fascinating and it ends pretty abruptly because there's not, you know, it's it's a documentary and mostly about them stalking him while he's trying to make a documentary. So there's not really like a, a huge climatic scene, but it is one of the most unnerving things I have seen in a long ass time. Oh, shit. I might have given that a shot. It's good. It's not very long either. So I recommend. Huh? Yeah, yeah. that's cool. Or not cool, but, you know, cool. <laughs> it, was, it was cool. It's cool. Creepy, but not cool. Happen- happening to that guy. Not cool, but... Yeah. The the subject matter is not cool. Yeah. No. We, we just pissed really off a Scientologist stuff. somewhere. They're going to start, like, recording me at all times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude, they're listening in now. But at least that means we have more listeners. I hope they hit subscribe, like all of hey. you. <laughs> oh, that was smooth. That was clever. I like that. Yeah, you should uh, hit subscribe. You should rate and review. Five-star reviews will make us pop up more. But really, any review is good and helpful to us. Uh, you could get a hold of us at our email. That's right. Uh, you can email us, generalnerdpod at gmail.com. Or by heading over to the website, generalnerdcast.com. There's a contact form there. You can check out all of our back catalog. Or while you're there, you can hit the links up at the top because we are part of the Earverm Podcast Network. Go check out the other shows over on the network. Listen to me talk about horror movies. Sometimes comedy horrors, just like this one as well, um, over on Fried Squirms. And listen to Zach talk about war and war gaming and war philosophy and tactics over on the out of war art of war gaming. Mm -hmm. We just started our new book. We're only like a chapter or so in. So it's a really good jumping on point if that is something that you're interested in. What do we and like if they hit subscribe, what are we talking about next week for? Uh, Next week, we are talking about Digimon. Specifically, digital monsters, Digimon, Digimon are the champions. Oh, man, I'm going to have to find there's this video that someone took the Digimon intro, but redid it. So it's Pokemon showing up the whole time. (laughs) And I love it, but it drives some people up a wall like I I just watch people physically recoil from it. But anyways, next week we will be talking about Digimon, most specifically the new Digimon reboot that has come out because we spent half of the Pokemon episode talking about Digimon. So what the fuck? Let's have some fun with it. Yeah. Uh, is there anything else we want to talk about on this episode? Um, Just that we love our listeners. 
Yeah, thanks, guys. Uh, we're your generals of nerdery. I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. Dismissed. Dismissed.